your children will imitate what they see. Uh-huh. So if you as your parent as the parents and and the the role models are displaying these traits, right? Having a healthy relationship with food and building a balanced plate with with protein, carbs and fats. They're going to see these things and they're going to learn just by seeing you do them. Same with our habits, our walking, our working out and all the daily things that we're doing and the way that we talk to ourselves, right? Kids see all these things they too. They hear everything. Every fucking thing. Even the shit that you don't think they're hearing, they're hearing. Yeah. They fucking understand. And then, you know, it's it, it only takes one sentence to change their fucking trajectory of their entire existence with food. Trust. I've heard this from a lot of people like, you know, that first initial something that someone said, they have remembered that fucking sentence their entire life. Welcome to Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt, the world's number one no bullshit health and fitness podcast. Are you ready to cut the crap with your diet and exercise, get strong as fuck, and build a healthy relationship with food? Then you've come to the right place. Let's, Let's go. If you'd like to support us in the podcast, join our Patreon where you get exclusive content, which consists of monthly workouts you can do at home or at the gym, monthly challenges that are either strength, habit, or mindset-based, and access to over 100-plus low-calorie, high-protein, family-friendly meals. These are all designed by a professional chef who is certified in nutrition. These recipes are already in my fitness pal for easy fucking tracking. New recipes are also added each week. We believe that fitness is for everyone. So this is our way of getting you started on your health and fitness journey at a price most everyone can afford. So what the fuck are you waiting for? We'll see you in the Patreon. All right, Beth, we are back and we are live in person. We are. In, in, in a sunny, right across, you're right, I was going to say you're right across the street from me, but you're across the, the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So this has been a pretty good trip. A little get together, making some fun content together. And we had our, our meet and greet uh, for Cut the Crap yesterday, which was pretty fucking cool, wasn't it? That was awesome. It was so cool to meet all the followers and Patreon members. There was about 11 of them. Yeah. It was awesome. Thanks for coming, you guys. If you're listening to this, we really appreciate it. And it was super, super awesome for us to meet you. Yeah, very grateful. And I can't believe 11, 11 of you crazy fuckers showed up, you know, like, like, that's amazing. It just really go, goes to show the power of the community that we're that we're trying to build here and, and the way we're trying to help people getting involved in these type of things. Mm-hmm. 11 people showed up and pushed outside of their comfort zone and did that a 7.1 mile hike with us. In the like 90 degree heat for, you know, and I'm pretty, I would like to say I'm athletic, right? I was getting pretty uh, tired by five miles. I was like, Ooh, you know what? I'm done. My legs. And for some people that was their first hike that they've ever done. We didn't know at the time, but like, holy shit, props to you, Um, Jackie, if you're listening, that was amazing. Yeah. Right. Jackie's first hike. I love Jackie's that. first hike. Yeah, well, I, she probably will be listening because she does listen. And to I podcast, think so. my client, Luis, it was her longest walk ever. So congrats to everyone who yes. fucking crushed it. And one, I think her name is Tabitha. You, She wore a freaking weighted vest. She wore a weighted vest because she was, yeah, she was doing that uh, hike I saw on her Instagram for the Wounded Warrior Project, yeah. which mm-hmm. is really fucking cool. Amazing. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for showing up. Super grateful. And stay tuned because we are going to be doing, doing another one. one. Do we want to let that slip yet or do we want to dangle that? I mean, okay. So if, I think, well, we're thinking the Utah area mm-hmm. is why not in June ish, the end yeah, of June. Yeah, late June, probably. Um, so if you, anyone is into that, start thinking about it. Yep. Start thinking about it exactly because cut the crap is coming, y'all. 
we are going to be doing quarterly hikes because we both love hiking. We both want people to get out and fucking move and we want to meet our, our peeps. So that's where we're going with this. Exactly. Yeah. Passion project of ours for sure. Yes. Awesome. So uh, Beth, today, talking about community, just as we started this episode, we are answering everybody's questions today. So we put up some question boxes right on our Instagrams and, and Facebook, and we've got some pretty good questions to kind of go through today. Yeah. We're answering your Q&A Instagram questions. And you know what's funny, you guys? I'm just going to give you guys some shit for a second. <laughs> Is that... Every time I have a Q&A box, right? Just for me personally, I get fucking so many that I can't even answer them all, right? So the minute that I'm like, I'm going to answer some on the, on the podcast, I get like fucking a handful. Like what happens? <laughs> I want you guys to fill us in. Like what happens? Do you like get a little intimidated that your question might be answered on the podcast? I don't know. But um, I'm just wondering because I have eight and I usually have like a few hundred. So many that we can't get. Yeah. So I want to know what the fuck is holding you back from asking a question for the podcast. That's that's what I want to know. Which is going to be one of the best ways you can get an answer from us outside of coaching and working with us because Correct. we this is our platform. We're not limited by time like we are on Instagram, you know, 60 seconds, 15 seconds or TikTok. We can go in deeper. Yeah. I can't go in deep with a, a minute response on a fucking story. Exactly. Exactly. You guys, don't be intimidated. Do not be intimidated. Show the fuck up for yourself. <laughs> okay. Now, onward. <laughs> Let's answer onward some questions. Let's do it. Do you want to start? Do you have one ready to go? Sure. Okay. I have from Lisa De Hoyos. I hope I pronounced that right. If not, I'm sorry. Um, opinion on skipping breakfast before you work out. Um, I think this is an... It depends. Mm -hmm. What time of day are you working out? Um, usually if someone's working out like really early in the morning, they're just getting up. Sometimes, you know, you may not eat, uh, but this is an individual thing. Like, how do you feel at your workout if you don't eat? You know, are you able to crush it? I know for me, I even this morning, I only had a yogurt and I usually have a lot more. And I actually kind of had to skip the rest of my workout today um, because I felt sick. <laughs> Yeah. And was just didn't have the energy for it. So for me, I need to eat, you know, more than I did today. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you on that one, Beth. It's it's highly nuanced. It's highly individualized. And that's why nutrition is not just fucking black and white. And like mm -hmm. white people that are advocates for intermittent fasting for everybody, like, no, it doesn't fucking work that way. So what I always recommend, and this is what I have clients do that ask me the same question is, do it both ways for like a week. So one way for a week, right? Don't don't eat breakfast before your workout. And then the next week, eat breakfast for your workout and then track these things and make notes of how you're feeling before, during, and after your workouts. And if you're noticing that when you, when you don't eat, you feel like shit and your workouts suffer, then that's your sign that you should probably be eating something before your workout. Because food, food is fuel at its core, you know, especially carbs are going to fuel us and power us through those workouts. So if you don't have energy to pull from your body, doesn't, it's not readily available. So it's going to have to pull it from, you know, your body's energy storages, which is not going to be as efficient. So I know me personally, um, I can work out pretty early in the morning, uh, without eating breakfast, but if I work out any later than like seven or eight, then I need to have a breakfast to yeah. get me through my workout. Back in the day when I used to work out at four o'clock in the morning, which meant I woke up for the gym at 3.30, I wouldn't eat. I would just have some coffee and maybe a banana or something on my way to the gym. And I, I was doing my powerlifting training at that time. And I know I was leaving a lot on the table, but I was able to get through it. I felt okay. But definitely my, my workouts in the mid morning to, to early afternoon when I've already had one or two meals. Um, those are usually my best workouts personally. Agree. 
Oh, show. All, All right. right. Question Great number question. two. Matt, yeah. you're up. Okay. Um, I really like this question. Um, it's from Jennifer over on Facebook. She says, at what age should you start focusing on high protein with your kids? Ooh. And I and I think this is a really good opportunity for us to talk about how we, we don't necessarily want to be focusing on like teaching them about a high protein diet. What we should really be teaching them is having how, how to build a balanced plate and mm-hmm. have balanced meals and teaching them about, you know, vegetables and fruits and, and all these other foods and why they're important. And now coming at it from a place of like talking about food being bad and um, just helping to form that healthy relationship with food early on, because that's going to benefit them for the rest of their lives. Not only that, but then, you know, learning how to build a balanced plate, right. With carbohydrates and proteins and fat and you know our, our protein and, and veggies and fruits and everything and, how, and what that looks like and how that's individualized for for us as adults and that just kind of trickles down to them so learning those fund, foundations and those fundamentals you don't need to focus on the high protein and, and all this other stuff especially yeah. with kids you don't need to micromanage your kids plate like that like they don't need to be like oh my god am i getting a pound of protein at each meal my son is 11 and he's now just now like learning about mm-hmm. macronutrients because I'm teaching him and he still doesn't really kind of grasp it, you know, yeah. but um, making sure that there's a protein, fat and carb and that it's important to have some color on your plate, just teaching them about, like Matt said, balanced meals, balanced plate. They don't need to be worrying about like, are I getting enough protein? I'd like to actually add that. I think kids need more carbohydrates <laughs> because they're super energetic especially early on, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I just don't think it's something to really worry yeah, about. Yeah. They're very active. They're, they're fucking rambunctious. as yes. hell. I agree. My son is, you know, now talking about like muscle. I mean, he's 11, he's getting into that age. We starting to look at his body and, you know, I want to get strong. And so I'm starting to teach him the importance of protein yep. um, for building muscle. So mm-hmm. I think it's age appropriate kind of stuff. You can still teach them about protein, fats and carbs, but they don't really need to worry about the nitty gritty of it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And my son's 13 and he's going through that same kind of trajectory right now, especially with him getting really serious about his sports. You know, he naturally, he wants to start getting stronger. Um, and he knows that, you know, building muscle and working out is going to help him with that. Um, so now he's just starting to be more curious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's always been a picky eater. Most kids are right. So it was, it's been hard to get those good protein sources and fibers and fruits and vegetables and things like that, you know, but he's getting to the, the stage now where he's just naturally curious about those things. Mm-hmm. So now it's time we can start learning because they're, they're curious and we're not forcing it on them type of type of it, thing. That's exactly what it's about. So curiosity. And then you answer those questions. Yep. Especially. And I want to, the, the big point here that we can make is that your child, your children will imitate what they see. Mm-hmm. So if you, as your parent, as the parents and, and the, the role models are, displaying these traits, right? Having a healthy relationship with food and building a balanced plate with with protein, carbs, and fats. They're going to see these things and they're going to learn just by seeing you do them. Same with our habits, our walking, our working out and all the daily things that we're doing and the way that we talk to ourselves, right? Kids see all these things they too. They hear everything. Every fucking thing. Even the th- shit that you don't think they're hearing, they're hearing. Yeah. Keep that in mind too. So I don't know why I just wanted to say this, like just never ever talk about your child's body. Never. And I mean, fucking never. It could be like something like, oh, you know, you're looking a little bit, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. You know, I I know sometimes like grandparents, you know, it's like, oh, you know, Johnny looks like he's eating a little bit. It's like, yeah, 
Uh, you know, I'm just I'm not saying that that happened. I'm just saying that, for instance, like that stuff, yeah. they fucking understand. And then, you know, it's it, it only takes one sentence to change their fucking trajectory of their entire existence with food. Trust. I've heard this from a lot of people like, oh, you know, that first initial something that someone said, they have remembered that fucking sentence their entire life. Or maybe they don't even remember it, but then working through us and working with us and uncovering mm-hmm. all they they uncover the stuff. They're like, holy shit, I can pinpoint the exact moment. And I haven't re- I haven't known this entire time, but that's what it is. It takes one thing of like, oh, you shouldn't eat that because that's bad. And they're gonna always that's something that they will remember. Mm-hmm. Kids are very impressionable. Yeah. Yeah, very. And yeah, if you're listening Be to this, careful you know with that. that. Be careful with all that. Because if you if you're listening to this and you struggle with some of these things with our, you know, the relationship we have with our with our body, our body image, our confidence, and our relationship with food, you, there's a good chance that you have inherited that from your parents who inherited that from their parents and so on and so forth. So the generational trauma in a way can stop with us. Yeah. I remember stuff that my mom said to me when I was growing up and I will, I have never forgotten some of that stuff. Right. She didn't say it in a, like to be mean. One thing she used to say was you're like a human garbage pail. You can eat anything and not gain any weight. And she always was on a diet. So she had these things against me. I'm a fucking 11 year old kid. Okay. Like I had long legs. I was very skinny and that kind of shit stuck with me. And I'm 50 years old and I still remember that. And my entire, like, that's one of the reasons why I had shitty relationship with food my entire life, but that for sure contributed it to it. Mm-hmm. So just know that your child will remember no matter how fucking old they are. I love that that wasn't what the initial question was about, but that's how we kind of evolved to that point, just because mm-hmm. it's that fucking important. That's yeah. And, and the fact that you're, you know, I think it's great that you're curious about like, you know, teaching totally. your child. And I totally. think that's amazing, but I think a lot of us also have to just really think about their fucking kids. Yeah. Um, we don't need them to stress about certain things right now. Right. Just, just like we don't, our kids don't need to be worrying about calories. Not at all. If they're going to learn that, let them learn that in school when they're talking in, in science class, when, because they will learn that, you know, but they don't need to be learning about calories and foods and things like that right now. No. no. If it's, if they ask answer, but it's not something we right. need to be fucking worrying about. Okay. All right, Beth, your okay, turn. Am I eating them? <laughs> <laughs> All right, am I up? Yes. Okay. This is from Maddie Hilton. I think I said that right. How do you stay in a calorie deficit when you travel for work? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Um, You plan. You fucking plan, 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 plan. Okay, so this is what I would do if I was traveling for work, and I have before. So you get that little uh, cooler. Cooler. You fucking have a cooler and you plan out your fucking day. Like where, I don't know, you know, what your travel for work looks like. Is, is it by plane, by fucking car? I don't know. But if I was traveling via car, I would have my cooler with me and I would have whatever, I would have lunch and I would have snacks and I'd make sure I had a ton of water with me. So this is going to take planning on your part. The mm-hmm. night before you're going to pack that fucking cooler, put everything in the fridge and then bring it with you. I mean, it would be different for traveling via plane, that's a little bit tougher. Admittedly, I've done it. It's possible. It's definitely it's, possible. You really just have to be, yeah, effort. If and, this is fucking, if you, if it means something to you and you're serious about it, you, mm-hmm. you'll do it. Yeah. But but also, uh, I've been there too. You know, I I traveled all the time for for work when I used to have a, a real job. I say, and I was I was in a fat loss phase when I'm, at one point in my life when I was when I was traveling a lot for work. But like, it really just comes down to preparation. If if you're traveling. Traveling, like what I recommend is first and foremost, try to find a hotel room that has a little a kitchenette, like a, 
uh, home to sweets or something like that by Hilton is a good one, but something with a kitchenette or some type of way to store food at a very minimum. Uh, and then you can microwave food and things like that as well. So that way you're preparing your own meals. Um, mm-hmm. One one big thing, I don't, I'm just making an assumption here just because this is very prevalent in, in work-related travel, especially in the corporate world, right? Is alcohol while traveling. Yeah. Um, so fucking prevalent. Um, that was literally one of the biggest things that we would do when we were traveling for work was like, you know, go out drinking every night and and things like that. So if if fat loss is a goal of yours, definitely check that. Um, don't be taking place in the happy hours, in the the evening drinks and everything like that with coworkers. You can you don't need to do that. You can still go. You can just you know just limit those things. But then you know your snacks and things like that too. Just be prepared. You know with the basics, which is going to be things like roast uh, not roast beef, but beef jerky, cheese sticks, and um, protein bars. Protein shakes are going to be some of the clutch items that you can have. Um, nuts and and things like that for for your plane rides and in between meals and things like that. Mm-hmm. But this is also a good time to implement the big ass salad strategy too. So replace one meal a day while you're traveling with a salad. The dressing on the side. Um, and you're going to save some calories there too. load that salad up with, you know, good, some good protein, like salmon, steak, or chicken and some, some crunchy things, get some veggies on there, get some color on there. And that's going to go a long way as well. Mm-hmm. I would definitely make sure that you had access to a treadmill or that you focused on steps, uh, somehow, you know, walking in the airport, um, walking at night after done working in the, the hotel room. I, when I was traveling here to Florida, three days of sitting a lot, I made sure that I got some treadmill steps in and wherever we stopped, I walked around. Mm-hmm. But you have to be really intentional. You do. really have to be fucking intentional with it and really focus on that. Yeah. Your knee is going to be important in those situations. Yes, for sure. Well said. Okay. So this comes from Facebook. This is from Beth. She says... Tell a time when a client finally had the aha moment with with mindset, habits, et cetera, and and their life changed. Uh, this is a really good question. I like this because this is actually we we kind of experienced this recently with a client. She actually just graduated um, just like four days ago. She's she's officially done with us. So this client, she came to me for help with consistency and her relationship with the scale and getting her need up. Literally when on our coaching consult, she was like, I just need to get my need up and I need to be mm-hmm. consistent with it. But we could, we kind of quickly realized early on that when she was weighing herself, she would let that dictate her day and her week. And she was having some of that all or nothing thinking. So she was actually supposed to take the scale away and not use the scale at all for a couple of weeks while we looked at some other things. But um, she actually was secretly, I, I'm not a fan of this, but she was secretly weighing herself and, and tracking it that way every day for a week. And then she was actually able, because these are the things that I talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she she pinpointed that on those days when the scale went up or didn't move, which was in, in, inevitable, that's when she would always throw in the towel and quit and get frustrated. But since she started tracking her, the, her scale weight on her own more consistently, she was able to spot those trends and 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 put put that all together. And she was like, oh shit, like I just need to work through this. Like I, I know to expect this now type thing. So that was kind of like that light bulb going off for her. But not only that, there was another situation a couple months then down the road from there. And this was after the holidays and everything. She's like, I just want to go get through the holidays and maintenance and this and this and this. So we did that, which was great. And then we started fat loss phase back up. And it was about three weeks where nothing was really happening. I wasn't concerned about it, but she, she was like, I know what the, she's like, I know what it is. I just need to tighten up my, my nutrition a little bit. She's like, I just haven't been tracking as well. Um, you know, I've been a little bit more, more loose with that. So she's like, and I'm going to, I'm going to tighten it up. So she tightened it up on her own. 
because she recognized it based off of the work that we had been doing together. So she was coaching herself and she did it and she started making progress again. So it was kind of like, that was like the whole mindset shift, you know, a couple months into it. And I, I remember that time specifically, um, you could literally see the light bulb go off on, on one of our calls. So mm-hmm. it was really cool. Very, re- very rewarding as a coach. Oh yeah, for sure. I do have a one specific client I'll call her H a lot of people will come for us for weight loss, right? But me and Matt are so much more about, you know, mindset. And of course, you know, weight loss is a byproduct of, you know, the things that we try to teach you, but coming um, to me for, you know, initial weight loss and then realizing that she actually had a really horrible relationship with exercise. And at the same time, a horrible relationship with food. And on my questionnaire, there's like a lot of mindset questions. And the one thing she told me was like, I at first was really fucking annoyed at these questions. But then I started, you know, answering them and like, it kind of like took her to a place where she started dealing with things that were going on that were part of an unhealthy relationship with food and part of an unhealthy relationship with exercise and things like that. And I think it's Mm -hmm. so incredible to see that uh, transformation of like, now it's not, I'm not so focused on the scale and the weight loss. I'm focused on, okay, like I want to be okay with eating these foods and not being afraid of gaining weight or just exercising because I know it makes me feel good and um, appreciating those questions in the end. And she ended up, you know, losing inches and, um, and weight, but it wasn't the initial amount that she thought in the beginning, right? She, you know, you always have like an unrealistic number and things like that, but it ended up to be more of like a mindset transformation that she's thought, or she said that she didn't expect, but it changed her life. Yeah. And I love that. We hear that all the time after mm-hmm. people go through our program, right? Like I, I had no idea the impact that this would have on our mind, yes. on my mindset and my mental mm-hmm. health. And it's like, well, maybe we need to do a better job of advertising that because as we talk about that so much, you know, but you're right. Yeah. Um, and those things are what go into successful weight loss long-term. Mm-hmm. Now she's had like, she's um, loves hiking and she's like getting active again because mm-hmm. she stopped working out because she had a, you know, she was just, uh, she did it in a not a good way before. Yeah. So now she's back into moving, she's hiking, she's, you know, doing stuff that she loves and enjoying it again. Hell yeah. I love that. That's so, so important. Enjoyment. You know, if we enjoy the way we eat, the movement that we're doing, we're more likely to stick with it. Absolutely. Awesome. You got another one, Beth? Yes. How do I stay motivated? From J-N-O-V-A-K, J-O-S. Motivation. Stenovsky 526. Yes. How do mm-hmm. I say motivated? Mm-hmm. You don't. Yeah. The motivation is feeling and it comes and goes. Yeah. That's where people go wrong. We're, we're, we're waiting for motivation to fucking strike before we take action, mm-hmm. but we need to take action and then motivation comes. It's yeah. mo- motivation is the last fucking thing that comes. Were we motivated to go to the gym this morning? Matt? No, we weren't. God, that was like... I'm like, Beth, light a fucking fire under my ass. I don't want to go to the gym today. Mm-hmm. You, sometimes it's just not the reality. You just got to do it. And was it the best workout we've ever had? No. No. No, I'd say it was probably fucking just. <laughs> we were both probably counting down the seconds until we were done. And that's okay. Yeah. But we still mm-hmm. did the fucking We did thing. it. We greased the groove today. We greased the groove. And that's okay. Yep. So you, you have to show up for yourself even when you don't want to. You just fucking have to do it because no one's going to do it for you. No one's coming to save you. I love that Mel Robbins. No one's coming. Literally, no one's fucking coming. So I know for me, I want to stay fit, healthy, strong. And so this is, but that's what motivates me is my fucking health. I'm 50. I don't want to croak from a fucking heart attack because I'm sitting on the fucking couch eating bonbons and being lazy. Right. Fuck. That's, that's one thing I'll never understand is like when people say they're not motivated to work out, like 
you're not motivated to be healthy and to live a longer life. I can't fuck with you. I can't resonate with that. I can't. Yeah, I can't either. It's, you know, you have one life. My dad passed away at 45, 40 fucking five. Okay. So five years ago for you, that could easily have been, if I didn't take care of myself, he didn't take care of himself. He smoked, he, he kind of drank, ended up having a triple bypass. Okay. Triple bypass at 45 fucking years old and then died from a blood clot to the lung. Totally unrelated. So for me, my heart is very important to take care of. So we need to think about that. Stop thinking about like, I don't want to do it. Think about your fucking health. And do you want to like be a decrepit 80 year old? I don't know. That's just, I don't, even if you make it to 80, you're lucky to make it 80. You need to walk. You need to do some cardio. You need to strength train for your bones and your fucking muscles. Can we talk about that really quickly? Because the beach, Um, the fucking gym we've been working out at all week, by the way. Oh God. What the fuck? There's no senior citizens everywhere, which is amazing. Shout out to Cocoa Beach Health and Fitness because there are 50, 60, 70, 80 year old fucking people working out in there and they are crushing the fucking shit out of it. one guy, he has to be 65. He was hex deadlifting like over 400 pounds. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, I'm blown away every time I go in there. Yes. Talk about doing things that's benefiting them and the quality of yeah. their life. You think they're on, you think they're unhealthy? I can't they're not doing fucking jazzercise in there. I'm talking, we, they are like lifting that 60 year old woman next to me was like doing 25 pound dumbbell bench presses. And she was like, you're so strong. I'm like, look at you, look at you girl. Like, I mean, this is fucking awesome. I love it. It was motivating that that right there was motivating. Like, mm-hmm. I, because that's what I want to be doing when I'm, you know, 60, 70 years old. I want to be still able to do those things because I know that those are the things that's going to allow me to really live my dreams. Working out is going to be a way for me to to live my best life, which is traveling the world and hiking and and, mm-hmm. and skydiving and doing all this other crazy shit. I can't do that if I'm out of shape and unhealthy. I can't. Yeah. And no one's telling you to go in the gym and fucking go crazy for five days a week. You know, you just have to move your body. So find your fucking reason. Find and you, something you that find you enjoy motivation. and do it and just mm-hmm. move. Yeah. And you have to take action. You will you won't you won't be motivated unless you're taking consistent action and building up that muscle. View your health as a gift versus a chore. It's a gift. It's a gift to fucking. If you're an able-bodied person and you're able to move your fucking body, what are you doing? There are people with one leg carrying the American flag, running the Boston fucking marathon. Okay, so there's no reason if you have an able body that you're not moving it. Yeah, literally, when I was hiking in um, Sedona a month ago or so, mm-hmm. there was this this older gentleman. He was he was at least sixty. He had one leg, and he was fucking rock climbing and and scrambling rocks faster than Sierra and I were. And he was crushing it and kicking our ass one leg. I'm like, I'm never going to have a fucking excuse again in my goddamn life because this guy's one climbing a fucking mountain with one leg and crushing it and putting Mm -hmm. me to shame. I'm like, I want to be that guy when I grow up. Yeah. When I grow up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So motivation is a feeling. It comes and goes. Recap. It's bullshit. So that's motivation for exercise, but motivation for anything, you're not going to have it. You just got to do what you need to do. You brush your teeth every day. You know, you don't think about it. Just whatever you need to do, you just do it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Onward. I can go on and on for with motivation. Oh, yeah. For sure. We've done episodes on it before. Fuck your motivation. It was in, I just posted about that one earlier. Episode 22 or something okay, like that. Okay. So, so go go listen to that. Yeah. Literally called fuck your motivation. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next question. I, I love this question. It's from Instagram. What is the best standing core movement? So standing core movements. I love that. First and foremost, I want to say if you're in, if you're doing strength training and incorporating uh, compound movements, you're going to be training your core as it is. 
but the, but there's a there is a time and a place for intentional core work. Um, my personal favorite standing core workout is actually a single arm farmer's carry. I like this for multiple reasons. Three reasons. One, um, it's a really great core workout because you're going to be fighting gravity, right? You're going to be fighting to stay upright by bracing your core because you're only going to have one side of your body loaded and you're going to be carrying that weight beside you. So you're going to have to be keeping a nice tight core to keep your body upright. So you don't lean to the side that that's carrying the weights. So that's, you know, an anti-rotational movement right there. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one reason why I like it. Second reason is it works your grip strength. So loading up a heavy, you know, heavy farmer's carry with dumbbells or kettlebells, it's going to work your grip strength as well. And grip strength is very important, especially as we start aging. And then thirdly, because it's cardio, you're actually doing some cardio there too, um, because you're walking. And if you're walking a little bit faster, like I like to do, do mine, I like to walk as fast as I can, you know, as with as heavy weight as I can. It's, it's a hell of a cardio workout too. Mm -hmm. All right. So my favorite is the Paloff press. Yes. The Paloff press. Um, it's an anti-rotation exercise that trains the larger and smaller muscles around the spine to resist rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You could do it with a band. You could do it with a cable. Yeah. You I could, like the cable variation. Yeah. That, that way you can add like load to it. Right. Yeah. I actually really like the cable machines for a lot of core workouts, yes. actually, core mm -hmm. movements. They're really great for that. Agree. Like we were just doing the other day, um, the cable crunches, right? So if you were mm -hmm. looking at doing something on the ground, in my opinion, a cable crunch is one of the best core movements that you can do there then as, as well. And that's actually uh, the core, those two core movements there, the single arm farmer carries as well as those lying cable crunches. Those are two movements that we actually implement in our Patreon monthly workout plans. Mm -hmm. So if that stuff sounds pretty cool to you, we have you training those things monthly. So go yeah. check out the Patreon workout plan for that. That's, you know, five. If you're not in our Patreon and you are struggling to figure out what to do for workouts, please join five bucks a month. I mean, we've been doing the, the Patreon workouts here in Florida and they are fucking awesome. You should be doing them for five bucks a month. No brainer. I agree. If you don't know what you, what to be doing, we're going to tell you what to do. We're going to show you what to do mm -hmm. and you're going to learn and you're going to, you're going to crush it. I mean, we've, we've, we've got nothing, nothing but good feedback, you know, in the almost year that we've been doing that now. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're continuously making these better too. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Nerdle, it's your turn. Okay. Let's see. Um, how do you deal going out to eat and not knowing the calorie protein amounts? How do you deal? How okay. do I fucking deal, Matt? Do I go crazy? Well, Beth. Do I stop myself from going out because I can't fucking track the exact calories? You and I probably, at least one meal a day we've been eating out since yeah. we've been together. Here's the thing about going out to eat. You're never going to know the exact amounts. Never. Correct. And the way you deal is you accept the fact that it's okay that you don't know the fucking exact amounts, right? So acceptance is the first thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not going to be perfect. And even tracking, if you're at home, it's not fucking perfect. So get we have to get away from the perfection of it. Yeah. What I do is I have things that I, that, that I pay attention to. Okay. Right. So does my plate have protein? Do I have veggies? Stop eating, like get half to go. Or I will look at the menu beforehand and kind of map out what I want. And yes. I just look things up that are closest to what I think it is. You know, yeah. say going, I had um, a chicken burrito, for example, from Sergio's Tacos, right? Mm -hmm. I had the It was a tortilla. So I look up a flour tortilla, fucking no brainer. Um, then I look up shredded chicken. All right. 
let's yeah, how much shredded chicken do I guesstimates in here? I'm I'm just guessing. At least what gets measured gets managed. So at least I'm tracking and not pretending it didn't fucking exist. Yeah. I think a lot of people are like, they can't do it precisely. So they don't do it at all. And then it's like a fucking fart in the wind. It's already gone. You forget you did it. And then you're wondering why the fuck you're not making any progress. Well, you didn't track those eight meals out because you couldn't be perfect. And now look. I recommend that with my clients too, is find something identical. Right. I mean, it's all guesswork anyway. It's just guessing, but at least you're tracking it. And, you know, I think mindfulness while you're eating and really paying attention to those fullness and hunger cues, um, which I've gotten pretty good at. um, And over time you will too. So that's also the importance of eating at the same time every day, because you're going to get hungry at the same time every day. And you're going to build those natural hunger and fullness cues over time that way. If Absolutely. you're eating different meals all different fucking times, you don't know when you're hungry and you're full, you're eating fucking starving, and then you're going to overeat. You're constantly in fight or so, flight mode. Yeah. yeah. So really be mindful when you're eating out. Eat slowly. It's not always about the food. Mm-hmm. It's about the company you're with as well. So admittedly, like I wouldn't be eating out this much. Thank you. I was just going to say that. Like that's at one all. thing like, we need to look at. This is not normal for me to eat out this much, but I am mindful while I'm doing it. But when Matt leaves, I'm going to go back to eating at home. You know, like I don't need to be spending 50 bucks a night on dinner either. Yep. Totally. So limit how much you're you're going out to eat. If, yeah, that's if yeah, that's a big that. part of your nutrition strategy. That's not a long uh, winning It's not a good strategy. strategy. It's not no. a winning strategy. I don't recommend eating out a few times a week, even at all, especially yeah. if you're in a fat loss phase, you know? Yeah, you, especially you if you're in a fat loss phase. If you're maintenance or you're bulking, like you have a little bit more flexibility, but also mm-hmm. that shit is fucking expensive. So yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. You know? Absolutely. But also something you mentioned there is mindfully eating too. Yes, that is so damn important. Beth, we did that the other night, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, When we went out to the surf and turf place. And this goes to show you how fucked portion sizes are at restaurants as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We each got a steak and potato and some type of a salad as our sides, right? You, me and Mike. None of us ate all of it. We all ate probably half of our steak and then like a quarter to a half of our baked potato that it came with without the, without the dressings, by the way, the dressings came on the side. So we were able to control the butter and the sour cream that we used. So that's a little tip there for eating out, get the stuff on the side and add, then you control what you add. Mm -hmm. But then also we ate half of that. We were very full. Yeah. Um, we took it home. And guess what? We made breakfast the next morning out of it. And we and still have leftovers from that. We still have leftovers for a third meal from those meals. We're getting three meals out of one meal going out to eat. That is where we're going wrong. You don't need to eat the whole fucking plate at a dinner out. You, do, I mean, I have like a six to eight ounce steak. I don't need that much. Good grief, man. That's like a thousand calorie fucking steak. I don't need that much. So we had an appetizer, which was like fried, uh, completely fried, amazing, like crab and shrimp. Um, I ate a good portion of that. We had fritters with, you know, so I had a fritter. A lot of carbs. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then um, a Caesar salad. So I was even telling everyone, I'm like, I'm already full. I don't even need my dinner right now. Uh, You know, so, but I did have some of my steak and I, it looked like I didn't even eat it because I didn't need to eat it. Right. (laughs) I was already full. If I would have eaten all of that, I would have felt uncomfortable. And I don't like that feeling. I did that last night, admittedly. Mm -hmm. Totally. And you knew that you were going to do that. You're like, I'm going to do it. I just want you just really, we, we worked our fucking ass off yesterday yesterday. and and everything and 21,000 steps. And We've been getting so much neat, which is, you know, non-exercise activity while Matt's been here, like walking a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, I've been hungry more than normal. And mm-hmm. last night at the end of that, the day from that hike that we did seven miles and 21,000 steps later, I had like three slices of pizza, garlic bread, salad. These are New York style um, slices of pizza. Girl Scout <laughs> cookies. 
uh, at like went to bed at like 7 p.m. Yeah, it was, a nice was chill so night. full. But guess what? Do you regret it today? Like, you're, no. are, you feeling, are you guilty Am I today? starving myself today, Matt? No, fuck no. Exactly. You, you've been eating normally. Had our, had a workout. I had a chicken burrito for lunch. And then mm-hmm. I had a yogurt for breakfast, which, like I said, I should have eaten more. But we were kind of rushed to get to the gym. Yeah. So I just had and a yogurt. And your chicken burrito for lunch was leftovers from two nights ago. Yeah. I had my lunch today, which was my leftover Subway from yesterday. Because mm-hmm. I got a 12 inch, ate six of it yesterday and six of it today. Yeah. We eat our leftovers when we go out. We take half home. Most of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also on, on going out to eat, we, we talked about us getting the appetizers. Appetizers aren't bad, but that's where a lot of the calories typically come from is our yeah. appetizers. You're in a fat so loss phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're in a fat loss phase, I would say you you don't need an appetizer. I w- probably wouldn't have the bread basket and I wouldn't have an appetizer. If, yeah. If you're going to get something, get a side, like a garden salad. So you get some nutrition in there. I would probably have my half of that steak and the baked potato with probably maybe sour cream or a little bit of butter, but that's it. Totes. Totes from goats. Okay. Okay. I like this one. Your best advice, words of wisdom for tuning out all the bullshit noise out there for eating right. Ooh. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. How do they know what's right for you? I think my number one thing that comes to my mind is when people speak in absolutes. Yes. That's a red flag. Like don't eat this, eat that, or don't eat this, don't eat this. This has this, this is poison. And okay. Listen, all food is safe to eat. Okay. Unless it's rotten, unless you're allergic to it, unless you just don't fucking like it. Mind remember blown. that shit right there. Okay. If someone is out there telling you not to eat something, immediate red flag. Yeah. And then you then ask yourself, why are they telling me not to eat this thing? And a good test for that is to go to their profile and tap that link that everybody has and see what the fuck they're selling. They're probably selling you something that goes to support what they were just telling you to avoid, right? If they're telling you to, I don't know, if they're telling you that you have a problem with fiber and then you go there and check their link and they're selling you a fiber supplement, of course, Mm -hmm. of course, you know, things like that. But also, like, like I said, to start this with, they don't know you. How can they tell you how to eat? When they don't know you, they're not with you. They don't know your likes, your your dislikes, your preferences, um, and things like that. They they don't know those things. Nutrition is highly, highly individualized. Everybody has different likes and preferences. And what going off of what Beth said there is no foods are the foods are not fucking poison. Like we are so tired of that narrative. There's no food that is poison unless you're fucking gonna die from eating it because you're allergic to it, or like Beth said, it's rotten or something and mm-hmm. loaded with shitty bacteria and, and things like that, or just you know. That's the only exception. Every food fits in the right amounts for you and your goals and your activity levels. Figure that part out. Nothing else matters. And here's the thing. If you are allergic to something, okay, that is you. That is individual. That doesn't mean it's bad for everybody. And I think people really get fucking like warped in that thing. It's like, well, I get IBS from that. That that causes me to get headaches. Okay, great. Well, peanut butter causes some people to have anaphylactic shock. So we have to just, you know, take the emotion out of it. Take the fucking emotion out of it. When you Mm -hmm. see things like that and you know, like maybe carbohydrates, some of them, you can't have certain ones because you have diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. That is a you thing. That is an individual thing. That is not an everyone thing. So we have to remember this and people get really fucking warped in that, on that aspect. They take emotion in to something because it affects them. And, you know, it's not the masses. Which is why we can't use anecdotes and personal stories as evidence in in the science world, right? People will be saying, oh, well, I did this and it worked for me. Great. I'm glad that worked for you, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. Right. 
but calorie deficit does work for fat loss for our Thank everyone. you for adding that because we this that's not something that's anecdotal. We <laughs> know this not, it's that a is not a one size fact. fits all, okay? <laughs> that is a fucking everyone's yes. thing, okay? That, is, so, that applies to everybody. That's different. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> facts <laughs> facts are not facts debatable. Facts don't give a fuck about your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. For yes, that. yes. Okay. That's it. That's it. That, that was a fun one. We had some good questions. Yeah. All right. So until next time, I think we'll do one of these again at some point. Lots of fun, but it's been awesome meeting up with you here. Thank you again to everybody that showed up to the fucking meet and greet. We can't say thank you enough. Yeah. This is our passion. Honestly, if we could do this every day, all day, like we would do this and get involved with everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we have lives to live and, and things like that. So we can't do yeah. this all the time, which is why we're going to do it quarterly. Right. Yeah. All right, y'all have a great day. All right. Bye. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode. So why not share it with a friend who needs to hear it? Send us a DM on Instagram or email us at cutthecrappod at gmail.com and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cutthecrappodcast. As always, we appreciate you and thanks for being here. <laughs>